You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We're looking at Colossians, and uh, this is our second last Sunday. And I know for the last couple of weeks we've had a bit of a detour away from Colossians, but today we're, we're coming back to it. And I'm just going to kind of quickly recap what we've looked, up that, looked at this far. And again, this is a, writ, a letter written by Paul to a church that he had never planted. He didn't, he hadn't um, been part of its uh, its beginning, but very much he was writing a letter to combat uh, some false teaching that was coming into the church. Uh, one that by the Gnostic group of, of um, thought that everything of the spirit was good, everything of the flesh was bad. And the other one was Judaism uh, or or, or the law kind of creeping into a Gentile church. And so he writes this letter to to really focus again about the gospel, who Jesus is, and our response to it. And so we've looked at this far, these points that come, aclo- come across in Colossians. First of all, that Christ is supreme. Yes? He created all things, and all things were created by Him and for Him. He holds all things together. He's the firstborn among the dead. He has reconciled to the Father all things through his death on the cross. In Christ are hidden all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Remember, it's all about Jesus. That's right. Good. Some of you remember. That's great. Christ has forgiven all of our sins and took away all that stood opposed to us. He's disarmed the powers of the enemy through his death on the cross. In short, Christ has done it all. And so for us to look or add anything to that, we are missing the point because Christ has done it. If we're trying to do it in our own work, our own strength, you know what? You're you're barking up the wrong tree, right? You're doing the wrong thing because Christ has done it all. And so because of that, we don't need to be bound by the law, right? We don't need to try to please him by trying to do certain things. It's not about obeying certain uh, kind of festivals or doing this certain things, man-made traditions, but it's all about living by faith in Jesus, that's the whole point that Paul's saying. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's not about what you're trying to do. It's all about what Jesus has done. And so get your eyes set upon him and you'll be on the right track. Jesus has done it all. He goes on to say that because we're in Christ, we now need to live it out. Right? And so because of that, we can't just continue to live as we were and still follow Jesus. We actually need to, to put on the new nature. We need to, to live out the new, new, the new, um, sorry, the new, yeah. Put on the new nature. We need to live this out. Put to death the, the, the old life and the deeds of our old nature and living with our minds set on things above, living as the new creations that he calls us to be. In our last life group, we looked at this, what this means, to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, to put those things on. Right? Every day we have a choice. Do we look like Jesus? Do we listen to his leading? In our lives, or we do our default mechanism of our old flesh and just respond the way we used to. Actually, every day we have a choice. And by, by choosing to live by the Spirit, we put on these things. We put on what it, what it, what Christ looks like to love and to forgive each other, to let peace rule in our hearts and to do everything in the name of the Lord, being Christ centered in everything that we do. That's what we've looked at so far in Colossians. That's a very quick summary. Yeah. That brings us to this passage this morning. I said all of that to say this. There's an older gentleman that we, we know really well. He would go on for about 45 minutes and then say, I said all that to say this. Really? That was a long story to get to your point. Anyways, I said all that to say this. Colossians 3, 18 to, 
Uh, and then we're going to read uh, from Colossians 3.18 to chapter 4, verse 1. Paul moves on to the very practical aspects of family life, of living life. And uh, so it's an interesting passage that kind of hits all these different points. So we're going to look at it as best we can this morning. Are you ready? It's a good one. <laughs> Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting for the Lord. Isn't that a great way to start the message? All right. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it um, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. All right. This passage touches on areas that I think for all of us apply to us in some, some capacity. And so the first kind of category, if we can kind of break it down into three main points, would be our marriages. And uh, there's two things that are mentioned here. One, wives submit to your husbands, and two, husbands love your wives. I'm going to look at this in reverse order, because I think it's a little bit easier and a little bit more palatable if we look at it in the right order, or in a different order than what is there, okay? Are you ready for this? Okay, let's go for it. Husbands, love your wives. Now, Ephesians, this whole passage is parallel. There's a parallel of this in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. So if you look at Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, you'll actually see the same kind of instructions written there, but a little bit more flesh on the bones. He writes to the church in Ephesus. And so in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I want to tell you what, guys. This is a high calling. To love our wives as Christ loved the church. This is not an easy thing. It isn't a, a, a love that's kind of with infatuation or just kind of a love that as we feel like it, we do it. But actually, if Christ is the standard that as a husband I need to follow, then this is a very high calling that will require everything that God has to offer for me to do it. Because when we look at how Christ loved the church, it was a sacrificial love. It was a love that put it, puts the need of our, my, my wife above myself. It was a love that um, takes the first step in expression. Did Jesus love us because we loved him? No. He loved us before we loved him. He gave himself before we were even, before we even thought of him as a church or as his people. He loved us. Right, he showed his love and his, his heart towards us before we, while we were still enemies of him. And so love takes the first step. So as husbands, if we're going to love our, li- our wives as Christ loved the church, we are taking the first steps in love. It's a love that desires intimacy and communion. Christ came to reconcile the world to the Father. He came to bring intimacy in a relationship. So it wasn't so that... Um, we would be separated from God, but that we would be uh, have a closeness and intimacy with the Father. Yes, the same thing goes, is that our relationship, we are to lead in this loving relationship that we desire intimacy and communion with our wives. 
A love that overcomes every hindrance that could otherwise separate. We look at Romans 8, 38 to 39. Nothing separates us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. This is the love that we need to have for our wives. And nothing can separate us from our wives. Because the love that we have. If anything is coming in, it's going to be destroyed. Because the love is stronger. Guys, this is a challenge. And we need God's help. A love that cares for and protects. A love that is unrelenting. Man, this is the calling that God has for our lives. To lead in love. To set the standard in love. Not letting our wives set the standard in love. But we set the standard of This is what love looks like in my family. Because I set the tone of what real love is. Are you catching me? Men who are married, men who are not married, men who will be married. Guys, this is what it called, this is, this is a love that is not mushy love. This is a love that's hard love. A love that calls us to go deep in our walk with Him to be able to fulfill it. But then when we look in the reverse of this, is why submit to your husbands? And again in Ephesians 5 24, so this is the verse before it. It says this, it says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So what does this mean? If wives, sorry, if husbands are loving as Christ loved the church, then to submit to our husbands is as submitting to the love that they are offering. Why? What does it mean to submit to Christ? It's responding to His love. It's, we're responding to, we're, we're taking on board the love He's giving. And so in that sense, it's harmony. It's, it's a, it's a union because we're responding to it. We're not resisting the love. And in essence, that's what it is. We respond to Christ's love as, um, as the church, but as wives, it's responding to the love of our husbands. And so submitting to our husbands and to their love is this, is honoring them with what they say and do. We honor the, we honor Christ as the head with what we say and do. It's respecting them as, and, and their lead. It's supporting and encouraging. It's sharing love in response. Can I just tell you that one gender is not greater than the other? And that is not what the passage is saying, that that man, you you are the Lord of the house. Woo! Uh, no, it's not that at all. No, you are the servant of all in your house. You are serving your family. You're serving your wife. You are you are giving of yourself if Christ gave of Himself. But wives, you're responding to that, and you're you're encouraging, and you're standing by, and you're you're allowing that love to happen. And I tell you what, when both Parties take their role. There's harmony in the body. There's harmony in the home. When both sides fulfill their role as Christ intended, we reflect Christ in our marriage. You see, the marriage is only a reflection of Christ in his body, isn't it? And so if a marriage is functioning as it ought to, actually we reflect Jesus to those around us. We reflect what Christ in the church looks like in our marriage. Amazing. It's almost like it's hard to, in our minds, to draw it to connect the connection, but there is a connection because we see it clearly in Scripture. And so we have, first of all, the, the inner circle, as it were, in our marriages. But then it going, it's the next circle outwards, which is our family. And it's, first of all, we see this passage. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, can I just tell you what? Other than the little, little ones here, we're all adults. And so obeying our parents in everything is slightly different once you turn 18 or you become an adult, right? Um, otherwise, I, we would still be in Canada, actually, to be honest. My mom and dad did not want us to come here. 
why? Because they wanted us to be close to them. But the point is this. Adults are still called to honor our parents, right? So again, back in Ephesians, it says this. It says, we're to, if you turn on, go on to the next slide in Ephesians. It says this, it says, yeah, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Do you know what? No matter how old you are, if our parents are still alive, we can still honor them. Yes? We can still honor our mom and our dads. Now this requires something of us to honor them. And I just think some practical aspects of what it means to honor as an adult honoring my parents is to give time and to give respect when it's due. That means calling my mom and dad. It means you calling your mom and dad. It means spending time with them. It's honoring them in your life saying, actually, you know what? I'm not just shoving you kind of in the corner, but actually I'm giving you a place in my life. I'm honoring you. Again, I think some other cultures do it much better in honoring the older in their families. They're placed in that place of esteem in the family. And I know in the Western culture, it's, it, it's much more we sideline the older. And even hearing this morning, what befriended, as our own families, that should not be the case. As believers, you know what, it's the one thing that God gives a promise that it will go well with, that we will live a long life if we honor our, our father and mother. So we take time being with them. It's taking on board what they have to say. It's asking them for their advice. We honor them by caring for them in their old age. And I know some of you are caring for older parents. Can I tell you what? Every time you, you take that sacrifice of, of doing the, the bits that are hard and a challenge, can I say you're honoring them and in so you're honoring the Lord? It pleases the Lord when we honor our parents. And I want to encourage you, those who feel very tired from doing that right now, can I just spur you onwards to keep going? Because there's a promise that comes with this one. That it may go well with you if you honor them. And so for us, those of us who have parents still alive, we need to continue to honor them. And we don't come to a point where we stop honoring our parents. We care for them until they die. This is our calling. But the second part of this passage is raising our kids. It says, fathers, do not embitter your children. Interestingly, it says to fathers and not to mothers. It's an interesting thing because mothers tend to be the more nurturing ones in the relationship with children. Not always, but on a general. But often it's fathers that can be quite hard-lined with kids. And here there's a special instruction to fathers. Don't embitter. Don't, don't aggravate. Don't push your kids to a level where they're discouraged. Fathers, I believe, hold keys to blessing and affirmation and even when we look through scripture, when a father gave his blessing, when a father affirmed, it released the child. Now, I firmly believe in mothers doing the same thing. But can I tell you what, guys, men, we have a part to play in raising our kids. To affirm and to show love. Not to be the hardline disciplinarian of the family that the kids don't really like being with. But actually, we need to be the ones that just as we're showing love to our wives, we're showing that love and care and concern for our children, that our children are responding and knowing that we're on their side. You know, I was a youth pastor for many years and, and I heard, you know, a number of you just, especially then going into adult years where they just felt they could never measure up to their, their parents or their father's expectation. Dad never said they were proud of them, never said that 
They loved him. Never said, so they're always working to somehow get their father's pleasure or approval. Can I tell you what, guys? Let's not be like that. Let our kids know that we are their biggest fans. That, that they will kind of jump off our shoulders. That we, we are pushing them forward because of our belief in what they can do. May it never be a question whether we love our kids. Dads, if you don't have a habit of saying I love you to your kids, can I tell you, encourage you to do that? To say I love you, to, to express your, your compassion towards them. I know my kids do not necessarily come to me when they're hurt because I tell them to get, to get on with it. Don is far more sympathetic and nurturing. But I know I still have my part to play in affirming them and giving, giving my love and giving my affection to them just as much as Donna does. And dads, I think we have a, an important part to play. And you know what? In it, it, when you look at Father's Day and Mother's Day, do you know what? Mother's Day is a big deal, isn't it? But Father's Day is not a big deal. Because many of us do not have great memories of fathers. But in the church, this should not, should not be so. And again, speaking to the men in this room, you know, we have a part to play in being the men that care for and love our children and affirm them and speak well of them and, and, and spur them onwards. Okay. Good. Yeah. Just a couple of points just to add to that. It's good to tell them in the moments that we're proud of them. Our kids need to hear it from us and encourage our kids to move forward, not driving them forward. But can I tell you, they should never feel that they can never measure up to our expectation. When they do well, they need to know that they've done well and that they're not trying to reach a goal that they can never reach. All right, let's go move on to the next one. So we've looked at our inner circle, marriage, the next one, our, our are obeying our parents, but also raising our children. But then the next bit of it starts talking about slaves. Now, I appreciate that in this room, we're not slaves. But we are either in employment or in the voluntary sector. And so this passage of Scripture just as much speaks to us in this role as it would to uh, to the slaves that uh, that Paul would have spoken to. And so I'm just going to read it one more time just to bring our focus, just as we bring this last point. Um, go through this last point. Slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is not the Lord you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there is no favoritism. Followers of Jesus do the following thing in their employment. One is that they work with all their heart. Why? Because they're working for Jesus and not for man. When I go to work tomorrow morning, I need to be showing Jesus in my workplace. Not by what I say, but by working as I'm working for the Lord. You know what? God is no, God keeps track of everything that we do. Isn't that amazing? He knows what we're doing when our employer's watching us, when our employer's not watching us. And you know, whatever we do, whatever our hands finds to do, we need to do it with all of our heart. 
if that's where God has assigned it, the work that God has assigned to us, then we need to be doing it with everything that we've got. We need to do what's being asked of us when we're being watched and when no one is watching us. Why? Because Jesus, he sees everything that we do. And we need to be working with integrity, with honesty, with trustworthiness that reflects Christ in all aspects of our work. Again, across this room, in whatever line of employment we're in, you know what? We need to work as working as unto the Lord. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus. And this is what Jesus wants us to do. This is his heart. We set the example in our workplace of morality, of integrity, of work ethic. We show up on time, ready to do the job, and we do it well. And we're asked only once to do it. You know what? We set, we set a standard. I think employers should be knocking down our doors because they find out we're Christian. And not the other way around. We should be the envy of any employee. Oh, you got a Christian working for you. Oh, man, I wish I had Christians working for me. They're such hard-working people. I believe the Spirit of God calls us to work with all of our hearts. I believe the Spirit calls us in that zone. And I believe also, and I've seen it happen in my own life, when we work with all of, all of our heart, there's a blessing and favor that comes upon our life. Just as Joseph, he worked, and Potiphar knew that God was with him. Not because I believe Potiphar was a spiritual man, but because there was a work ethic in Joseph that set him apart from everyone else. And he knew something was different about this guy. You know what? I believe that gives us a voice in our, that, that gives us in the marketplace, that gives us a voice in our faith when we are set apart in this way. And the last point we got here is masters. Verse, uh, verse one in chapter four. Masters provide for your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you have a master in heaven. Provide what is right and fair. Staff should enjoy working for you because of your integrity and because you do what is right for them. And, uh, you know, I'm challenged by this as well. We have a, a company and, uh, no one here in this room at this moment is working for me. No. <laughs> Giovanni is just in the other room, so you can ask him afterwards. But I, my prayer would be that my Christian faith is reflective to the unsaved people that I work, that work for, for us as a, as a couple. That, that we're right and fair with what we do. Again, there's some employers, there's, when I was, um, working in Canada, there was one guy in particular who was part of the church, and he was ruthless in his dealings with people. And I just thought, what a bad witness. People didn't want to work for him because of how he was in business. I don't care what his, he's talked about Jesus. Do you know what? That speaks more against the gospel message than anything else. You know what? People should want to work. And if you're a manager or you're in a place of authority in your employment, you know what? People should want to work under your authority because of your love, your compassion, your fair, your rightness in all that you do. Living out our new life in Christ is not something we do in private, but it's something that affects every circle of relationships we have. And again, it goes back to the inner circles of our marriage and our, our closest intimate relationships. But then it speaks to our families. It's, it's the wider circles that we're, we're close to. But then lastly, it's the employment circle. It's the, the wider circle. Do you know what? Each three of these circles see the real you. You work with someone long enough, you know what they're like. You live with someone long enough, you know what they're like. 
You're married to someone long enough, you know certainly what they're like. Each one of these circles are your inner circles. People know you in each of these circles better than anyone else does. Interestingly enough, these are the circles that Paul talks to. Acquaintances on the street, you can put on whatever mask you want. Day in, day out at the office, people will see the real you over time. And it's in those environments we need to shine Jesus. It's in our home we need to shine Jesus. It's in our marriages we need to shine Jesus. Why? Because he's empowered us to do so. I'm going to stop there with 44 seconds to spare. Yeah, only today, guys, only today. Why don't we stand together? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.